Welcome to the Play Well for Life podcast. Join us as we discuss the lost art of parenting through play and how parents and grandparents can use games to build better relationships with their kids. For more information on how we can help, please visit playwellforlife.com. Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to the Play Well for Life podcast. It's my absolute pleasure to be joined by Margaret today, who's here to talk to us about her experiences with gaming in her family and what it's like to be a parent of very committed gaming children. So it's really nice to see you again, Margaret. Um, do you want to start just by talking to me a little bit about your experiences with games and gaming within your family? Okay. Well, my upbringing was quite traditional in from a gaming point of view monopoly cluedo card games family canaster nights and things like that mm. um and um then um after university um my husband was very into um wargaming so we i had a bit of experience with wargaming then by the 90s of course we had the re-release of things like risk and diplomacy and those types of things and we, we kind of got into those um and um and then finally settlers of Catan nice. all of them sort of you know board games so our background really sort of as parents came from a strong interest then in board gaming mm. and we got into all of the new um European and American and British board games as they as they emerged mm. over that time so um, when we had kids, our kids were very used to playing games with us. We were quite into playing board games of all types with them. Mm. Um, and then finally, of course, they, we couldn't resist any further. We were just as hesitant as everybody else <laughs> um, with uh, holding off from the computing side of things. And, um, but eventually, yes, they did. And they really started with PC gaming. So, um, my husband um, would do war games on the computer, okay. which I was delighted with because it gave me my spare bedroom back, which had been <laughs> full of, of maps and pieces of cardboard and, and, and little figures for, for years. Um, and he discovered he could do all of this on his computer without the need for all of that. And, and that, was, that was great. Um, so, he was computer gaming in... in that way mm. and we had played a few sort of first person shooters like doom i think was one of the early ones and we'd had a go at that but our main interest was in strategic games mm. um and the kids gradually became involved with that my eldest son i can remember playing a game called stronghold which is a castle game where you had to so you had to farm and then make bread and then build walls and fight off attacks from animals and from neighboring castles and mm. um all sorts of interesting this is sort of an economic game basically and um one of those where you're, you're effectively building an engine to try and create different things and i can remember with him having to sit on my knee mm. in order to see at the desk and also because he did need a bit of help playing with it. So he was desperate to play it because he could see castles and soldiers and things. But, um, and sitting there trying to explain to him why building churches and gardens made his people happier and how that helped him in the game and, and things like that. So Lovely. it was always interactive. We always played with them. 
mm. um, from the start and then kind of progressed on for there. For years, we didn't, we never had anything like a PlayStation. In fact, in fact, the one we've got at the moment is a second-hand one someone gave us. We've, mm. The boys have always really gone with PC gaming rather than um, console gaming. We had a Wii, which they played on a little bit, but mainly it's been PC games all the way. And starting off with, I think with Pete from Strongholdy, then moved on to things like the 40K games. Yeah. Um, so all of those, all the Warhammer 40K games and, and on from that into Rome Total War and <laughs> Medieval Total War. And um, yeah. And then eventually they both got into um, the online gaming mm. and esports, effectively. Like, so um, my youngest is massively into Dota 2, and um, my eldest is into CSGO, and they take it very seriously. Mm. Both of them have aspirations to become pro players, um, but we all recognize how difficult that is. So we try to be supportive. But yeah, so the gaming has been there from the start, really. And you said that, like everyone else, you were resistant to them getting onto computer gaming. Mm. What what was that about? Well, you it's a bit like putting them down in front of a TV program or something like that. You're all all the the press and the advice and things is about and you really sort of guilt trip yourself on keeping them quiet with um, things like that. Um, but that's, that's not the case. You come to realize after a while that actually you're not giving it to them to keep them quiet. You are allowing them to pursue an interest or a hobby. Mm. Um, just as, you know, when I was little, I was really into crafts and art and would sit for hours indoors and my mum would go in the sun's sun's shining outside <laughs> i'm there with my karen dash pencils <laughs> and uh, it's you've got to recognize when people are genuinely interested in something and it's when they want to talk about it i think mm. if they want to talk about it with you then they're in it's it's an interest it's not just something that's flashing in front of them or that is something they're doing blindly. If they're engaged and find stuff in it that's interesting, then there's something in it. They're getting something out of it and something that they want to share. Mm. So um, um, I was talking to my husband and he were, we were reminiscing because I was about doing this conversation with you. And we, he reminded me of an event where we were driving along and, and um, he was very young he'd been seven or something like that and um he was playing um medieval total war and um out of the blue from the back of the car came the question um what does excommunicated mean and i were like well um what what in what context you said i've just been excommunicated in in um total war and this was because he'd invaded rome and he hadn't realized that whoever it was poland his pope because he'd cultivated this pope and um, it was his pope. And then he'd invaded Rome without realizing that that was where the pope was and got himself excommunicated. So he was very annoyed. <laughs> so he had to explain all the excommunication thing and what it meant. And so, yeah. And by the time he'd finished playing Rome Total War, there wasn't a great deal he didn't know about the history of that period of 
mm. of the time. So, and he wanted to talk about it, and not just in the context of the game. He became interested, and we talked about the history aspects in a in a generic way, not just in a gaming way. Mm. And do you, do you think that was because you and your husband created a space for those conversations to happen, or was it just something about his experiences with the games that? stimulated some sort of innate curiosity in in history and has he followed that through i think that um it's a bit of both i would mm. say um the good games i just think there are some which I'm, i wouldn't be quite so happy if they were just plodding away out. but the ones which you can see have have um content to them expansive engaging interesting content to them um they they can learn things through that or become interested in a topic that might pass them by if it's been brought to their attention in a traditional way mm. you know so and we would quite often you know he was if you're playing a game called cossacks and we'd keep an eye on the TV channels and the history channels, and if there were programs about Cossacks, we'd record them and then say, "Oh, look, there's a program about Cossacks," and you can add to it mm. um, from things like that. So you, but I think well, the other part of it is um, actually just not dissing gaming the entire time. Mm. I think as a society, we have a complete downer on the technology in our lives, and the reality of the world is that technology is everywhere and our children have been brought up with it and know it intimately and won't have the same hang-ups about it that we do mm. and um you need to be open to them talking about what they're doing on their computers without just going oh you've been on it for far too long and you've done this that and the other and mm. um, and if you are prepared to talk to them about it and engage in it in a positive way so not just another of your stupid games then <laughs> then you'll have a positive conversation about it which gives you the opportunity as a parent to introduce these other aspects and to to you know straighten out the conversation rather than just leaving it to the, the gaming being their private little world that all you do is tell them they shouldn't be doing mm. so or that they've had too long or that they can only have this amount of time or whatever because I think it is interesting, isn't it, that there is this real distinction between computer games and almost everything else, you know, so people mm. don't have concerns about people getting together and playing board games or watching mm. TV or, and, and I, and I'm... Or sit in the corner quietly reading a book. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if it's because it's the newest form of, or a new form of entertainment, and there's always this sort of um, fear around new technology and entertainment forms, or whether it's, well, yeah, it, it's curious to me that it's viewed so differently. Mm. I mean, one of the aspects. Social media, for example, yeah. sitting, binge watching something on Netflix. It's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, one of the aspects is, is that it is one of the few things that your kid does do on their own. Mm. Um, a lot of what they do, they, they're looking for participation. And, um, and when they're playing these online ones where they're playing with lots of different people and they're playing with their friends, it look, looks to you like they're on their own, but they're not on their own. Mm. They're with their friends. So you have all the things about that you have to think about that you'd be thinking about if they were going somewhere to see people. You have to think about who are you talking to? Who are you with? But it's, still, but it's the same problems 
just in a different context. It's the, the same parental responsibilities, but executed in, through technology and, and, and in the context of technology. Mm. So just as I'd be like, so who are you meeting? Where are you going? What are you doing? <laughs> you're like, who are these friends you're talking to online? Do you mm. know who they are? What, what are they saying to you? Is there anything going on that I should know about? <laughs> Mm. You, you know, you, you have these conversations with them. And if you are not totally negative about it, then they will talk to you about it. And you mm. will find out about things that they would otherwise potentially hide from you because they think you're going to disapprove. And then you can say, okay, well, I do have concerns about that aspect or this aspect, and this is why. And you have that conversation in that context rather than just them just not telling you about it because you're not interested in what they're doing anyway which is actually you know the uh the ongoing issue generally with teenagers yeah. is you know <laughs> creating creating a space where they feel able to tell you what they're really doing because actually yeah they, they are exploring the world in new ways and in ways that might terrify you yes <laughs> <laughs> you have to try and remember what you were doing in your teens or maybe that's half the problem <laughs> yes, you do remember what you were doing in your teens. <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> but there is but i think you pick up on a really important point that there is this idea that you know it's different online and and and, and online is scary because it's it's not transparent um mm. and did you did you and your husband have those concerns well yes and um the boys have actually been quite good at, at um, sharing their friendships with us um, in terms of talking about the people online and so if something on, happens online that upsets them they talk about it yeah. they tell us about it and um, I've actually spoken to some of um, my son's friends online and, and even played games with them so one of the things that we did do was we thought I thought but particularly when they said they wanted to be professional at this thing mm. you think right well okay um if this was a sport if they wanted to be a professional footballer or if they wanted to be a an olympic tobogganist or whatever <laughs> i would have to research this i would have to, if i'm going to support them and make sure that the best possible outcome happens for them um i need to know more about this and you'd, you'd research it and you'd find out more and you'd understand everything and so I thought, well, I've got to, I've got to know a bit more about this online gaming then. Mm. So I've been learning Dota too. I've been at it for a couple of years now and I'm still awful at it. Okay, and how are you at it? <laughs> abysmal. Actually, I'm much better than I was before. So I think I've gone from utterly abysmal to merely desperately awful. But um, so we, we play um, as a group of adults. We, we play uh, with some friends of ours. We, we had a friend who was really into the game mm. and he had a 50th birthday party and he said for my 50th birthday party I want us all to play network um I want us all to play Dota 2 so you've all got to learn nice <laughs> and I was on holiday the week before and we spent every evening in the hotel with my sons trying to teach me how to play Dota 2 and rolling around the floor laughing at me and yeah, and it started there. And then we sort of played once or twice a week in the evening. We'd play Dota 2. At the moment, with lockdown and all the restrictions and not being able to see people, um, we play quite a bit more. Mm. Um, but we, we also um, 
prior to lockdown we also ran board game weekends where families would local families would come around and friends would come around and we'd all get together and we'd be running sort of three four five sort of board different board games in different rooms in the house so we'd have up to 30 people playing board games at the same time yes. everyone turns up with a packet of biscuits or crisps or something and <laughs> and off we go so we gaming's always been part of of the household activity and so involving ourselves in online games was uh, just a next step so i have actually played board played online games with my son's friends even though uh, i just get thrashed whenever i do they, they, which must be fantastic for them i think that's yes. what's so great though you know it's sort of the one arena that that young people get to really excel and, mm. and do a lot better <laughs> also i think you gain a bit more respect for what they're actually doing yeah i mean with, with the games the the level of complexity in many of these games this is a lot of them are not just games of manual skill mm. and and um speed of reaction and aim and things um there are just as with any interesting game there are sort of um engines to build and economies to run and <laughs> so there are aspects of it and there's teamwork and there's logic and there's numeracy and history um negotiation <laughs> all of those things come into play depending on the game so well and i think that's the thing you know for me playing games it's a much more active and engaging activity you know i have to use different kind of cognitive abilities all sorts of things compared to you know I'm equally capable of sending, spending four hours lying on the sofa binge watching Netflix, which is completely yeah. passive. It doesn't kind of benefit me in any way. But so, and I think it's 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 really important that there is more understanding about actually the skills involved in playing games. Mm. That is, it can improve all sorts of different abilities, our brains, all sorts of things. Because I don't think enough is spoken about that actually. No, I it's, mean, it really. Um... But sons have different approaches to games and the games that they like. Mm. Um, so uh, with my eldest, I can remember in the board games noticing that he is very, I mean, they talk about EQ and IQ, don't they? So he's very, got a very IQ approach. So mm. his ability to look at a game and go, right, what are the victory conditions for this? What are the things that drive the points or money or whatever the currency of the game is out to get me to that victory condition and i will take a straight line in that direction and he's quite very quick at spotting the mechanism building his engine of the game to yeah. to take him through it um which is a real life skill actually being able to spot spot the rules and the desired outcome devise an effective strategy and execute it is a real yeah. life skill and he's terrifying at it i mean he's so <laughs> good at it it really worries me and <laughs> he whereas my younger son he is not as keen on those games mm. his um games he enjoyed and became engaged with were more around he quite liked bluffing games okay and collaborative games mm. so um there's a, a <laughs> games which teach you to lie very well <laughs> but things that were more about that sort of interaction and working out what people were doing and 
um, ones where you had to try and read what people were trying to achieve rather than just working on your own sort of logical mm. point production mechanism. Um, so anything with the sort of game of, of an element of bluff or, or interaction to it would far more likely so um we played a game which was a um effectively it was a, a heist game a burglary game and you had to work your way through three floors of this of ever increasing difficulty avoiding guards and using certain skills that your character had mm. in order to get do certain things and then find certain things and then escape and um that that sort of thing he excelled at mm. and um one night ultimate werewolf which is a game where you spend half of it with your eyes shut yes yeah, it's I night know well. you know it well I yeah know well <laughs> and then you've got to try and work out what happened and <laughs> and he, yeah. just was you know you could get 15 people in that game and you'd know exactly what was going on and i would have no clue <laughs> i actually played that in lockdown one and uh with with a group i only knew one person it was very mm. strange playing it with people i didn't know in a virtual environment mm. And discovering I was actually frighteningly good at lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skill, isn't it? Well, what do people want to hear? And that is logic behind it as well. Because mm. to succeed at those games, you've got to have an excellent memory and remember what has, and be analysing what's being said at the time and have a, a well-constructed and logically consistent argument as far as you possibly can for why you're not the werewolf. Um, so there are enormous skills involved in it and it and actually is an opportunity that frequently you you don't I mean you don't see your kid in school do you doing mm. things like this and at home it's all very domestic and getting on with the practical side of things you don't actually that often see your child intellectually at work mm. and um and gaming is a real opportunity to see that in action and see what their strengths are I mean, that's what sounds so lovely listening to you talk. It sounds like you've made a real effort to support them in what was a hobby and now something more serious, but also you just sound so impressed and proud of them in, in the oh, people yeah. you see that they are in that environment, which mm -hmm. it sounds like you're saying you don't get to see those sides of them anywhere else, which is just really lovely to hear. Mm. But if you looked superficially at them, they're just like classic teenagers sat in the bedroom playing on a computer or something. And it's only by engaging with it and having, for instance, the board games to engage with them over mm. as well, that you see what's actually going on in that time, what, what they're doing with their time, effectively. Mm. And were you, with, the, with your younger son, who is more motivated by the sort of collaborative and relational, is is the online world a place for him to have friendships and things like that? Or, you know, how, how did you manage that process from, you know, who are they meeting online? Is it safe to realizing actually they had genuine friendships in this environment? It's a scary thing. And um, you, you basically, if you've got an open relationship with them, you can talk to them mm. about it and, and say, right, okay, you're playing, this game and you're friends with this 20 something year old from Greece who you never clapped eyes on and don't know who they are. Um, are they saying anything inappropriate to you and just be open about it? Mm. But how are they speaking to you? Are they treating you as you would expect to be treated? And 
oh, it's as and if there is anything ever said that upsets you or you're not happy about, speak to us immediately. Mm. But most of these people now over time, I've actually, because I've got into the game myself, I've actually played the game with them. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, they're just ordinary. But it, it is one of the things that you will find that is quite unnerving is that you, if your child is very able at a game, they will end up often playing regularly with people who are older. Mm. Um, James is um, autistic, so he does have some social anxiety. So actually, in some contexts, he finds the online relationships slightly easier. Mm. Um, not as in your face yeah. as a sort of physically present person would be. So in terms of dealing with people one-to-one, -one, I think he finds that less intense mm. through technology than he does face-to-face. Um, -face. But equally, okay. without that, I think he's he wouldn't have built some of those close relationships which then are transferable the skills of that because that's a skill as well <laughs> the skills of that are then transferable to the real world and make it easier as he tries to um become more can works upon upon being becoming more comfortable in um the sort of the the more real world social aspects of life mm. yeah. I know there's increasingly evidence coming out that actually people who are shy or introverted, the online world can be a really beneficial place for them to learn to form friendships. And I think some people I've spoken to worry that that means people will never go out into the, the real world for one for better words and form, form face to face friendships. But it sounds like you're seeing that actually it benefits that crossover into the physical world. Yes, I think it does. I think it gives them time to practice skills that they wouldn't necessarily otherwise ever get around to practicing because they'd never put themselves in that situation mm. where they were having to deal with it. They just would avoid. Yeah. yeah so, um, and are the friendships the same? Like, uh, is the quality of the friendship the same? Or I would say sometimes yeah. i think it's a bit and again i think it is the same there are some people who you become close to and as in real life sometimes you're close to period person for a period of time yeah. and that that wanes and then someone else becomes best friend or confidant for a while or you know, that there's a few people who are consistent others kind of come and go and then there are other friends that, that we all have who are what I call contextual friends. You may be very, very friendly with them, but in a particular context of a, of a club or an activity that you do together. You know, the person who you always talk to when you're out rambling or the person who, you're, who actually you don't really know in any other context than that. And so similarly, they've got some friends who they only really play a particular game with. And they're social and friendly and chat and whatever during that time but it's this is not the person that they would get in contact with if they were upset one day yeah but they do have friends who are online with who are that stronger friendship mm. and that person again as a parent you you kind of need to know about that because um it could be that person is not the same age as them yeah so you you need to 
you need do need to monitor it and that's for online stuff mm. um that sort of environment can be difficult well and i guess in some it sounds like if if you're engaging though and you're with your child and you're in that environment you understand it in some ways it sounds like actually there may be less risk than they leave the front door and actually you're not engaged at all yeah you have, mm. you have no idea where they are and what they're doing and who they're with um, yeah. mm. but I think it is very unfamiliar you know if if parents aren't gamers and particularly I think as you say it's changed now that there is that social aspect to online gaming I think it's it's the unknown of it all that that parents find quite frightening mm. and how, mm. how to get into it um, there was a lot of bad press about gaming at first um, and I can remember TV coverage of studies that had demonstrated that children were um, X percent more violent or aggressive mm. when um, after playing games but the the latest studies in fact um suggest that that your your reaction to it to other offline type of experiences like playing sport um or any comp competition can cause an awful lot of anger and stress and competition of any sort and that um playing some first person shooter actually creates no more anger than um playing tetris does in a competitive environment or chess or you know I, sort of, apparently i get very frustrated playing chess yes so um the, but the the feelings are the same mm. that, that actually but nobody's ever done a test to see whether playing chess makes you in a competitive environment makes you x percent more aggressive afterwards for a period of time <laughs> but they, they've now started to look at that and they've found that actually the um violent content of a game is not um you know the fact that it's a first person shooter is not making your child more violent mm. um and anger and aggression that they may show is possibly more related to that aspect of growing up called learning learning to live with losing yeah. and with frustration dealing with frustration and and those types of things which you'd experience the same if they were playing sport and and had a bad match or whatever it's it's the same thing and story engagement is the same is as good with a book as it is with a, a well-written um story-based computer game mm. so so it's and instead working with that as an opportunity to to help your child learn how to manage their feelings mm. rather than sort of telling them they're wrong yeah or, i feel like that yeah or, or, or banning them from it or something yes exactly it's, yeah. it's interesting i think the relationship to sport because um i know there's something about with sport i guess if you're being physically active you're kind of releasing some of that mm. adrenaline um Whereas I guess if you're sitting in front of a computer, where does it go? That sort of energy. There is a little bit of that. Yeah. There's, there's, there is that sort of <clears throat> feeling, which, which you don't get as well if you're running around or whatever, but you know, if you were playing darts, for instance, and it would be the same level, I guess, of, of um, adrenaline without the release. Yeah. So there are, there are other sports that are not, that have similar issues so it's um 
and this is what I think I, I think that the, there are very few instances of issues with games that are different to issues with most things in life yeah or other hobbies that or, other hobbies or other passions or other whatever why why do you think then it is seen seen as so different compared to say for example um you know your son's doing esports compared to them wanting to become swimmers and you taking them to the swimming pool four mm, times yeah. a week no well at six o'clock in the morning and sitting there yeah. <laughs> hot sleep watching them um I think because it's games, people think of it as trivial. Mm. I think um, sport has now got a reputation and our sport, sports heroes are well-known and household names. Um, it's all taken extremely seriously. It's seen as a proper industry. It's seen as... And um, gaming is not viewed that way yet. Mm. It should be. And should you, be there were was it i can't remember was it you who told me somebody um told me recently that there were more viewers for the league of legends um international final than there were for the super bowl yeah it wasn't me but i've also seen that so i've seen that fact somewhere <laughs> yeah no it wasn't you it was someone else but um have you found that because you know i guess you know if we go back to the swimming example you go to the, take your child to the swimming pool you meet the other parents you have that shared journey have you mm -hmm. found that there is a support network for you and your husband through other parents of children or is is it something no, not really going on your own yeah I, it, it, for certainly for my uh boys who want to do it professionally mm. rather than just uh doing it for fun as a hobby um yeah when when I say, oh, this is it. If, if someone said to me, what does your son want to do? And I said, oh, he wants to be an Olympic tobogganist. Everyone will be, oh, that's amazing. Send me more. <laughs> if I say, no, he wants to be a professional esports player. And they go, well, can, can he, how will he eat? You know, <laughs> there can't possibly be any money in that. People don't, what does that even mean? You know, so you've got to go through this whole explanation. And people are quite dismissive. And, you know, even some family members members have been very sort of dismissive about it and not taking their their aspirations seriously and schools in particular you know most of the things most everything is beginning to change but most schools would spend their entire time lecturing the kids on how they shouldn't be playing games too much and they shouldn't be doing this and mm. they don't promote it as a, a potential future career or an industry that you could be looked at from anybody who's interested in everything from event organization to media production to to actually being a player or a coach or sports psychologist mm. for esports you know it's 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 all there yes it's an industry it's that thing isn't it because i oh, many years ago i was in the music industry and it was the same thing when when i said i wanted to be a musician people sort of poo-pooed it and said well mm you know that's not what yeah but what do you actually want to do and, and funny mm. enough same setting up a games company people have sort of been like mm. <laughs> yeah exactly like how odd um yeah and, and what I the young people I I work with now you know so many want to get into the games industry and as you say it's not supported in mainstream education mm. it's increasingly becoming it is well, there's a b-tech in it now and a couple of universities have got um esports degrees Mm. but you have to look into them because they're not all the same some of them are very much focused on the it's, it's like a, a version of media studies but 
I focused on the esports and then others are more like a business degree but mm. focused on the esports so you've got to look at the course content you can't just take esports as a title you've got to look at what aspect they're driving forward with which faculty it's in and and then but it's beginning it's getting there it's getting there but uh, yeah but because of that you know there's no you know i think us gaming mums are the new soccer mums you know? <laughs> <laughs> said that you don't have to sit by the side of a field in the cold at yeah, it's a lot warmer <laughs> 10 o'clock on a sunday morning <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's just what so clearly comes across is it just sounds like you and your husband have made a huge effort to respect your son's interest in gaming mm. and therefore got involved and supported mm. and tried it out yourselves. And, and it just, it's, it sounds like actually the complete opposite of an isolated activity. It sounds like as a family, you, you mm. all game together, which just sounds fantastic actually mm. and therefore a lot of the the concerns or the risks or the worries that that lots of people have it sounds like you know your approach to to understand it and be involved means that those those concerns just aren't there mm. Mm. And, and don't need to be there yeah well it's it's certainly i can see the gaming has fed academic success in some areas with my boys and um it, the knowledge of history mm. or um the ability to deal with um logic and and things like that all contribute in a curriculum <laughs> point mm. of view as well so um yeah i think we we miss a huge opportunity in not looking at gaming and what really works well in it um, and applying that to education more than we have done. Yeah. Um, well, because the I level of engagement that you can get in a that practical engagement with something that is uh, that, that has feedback and mm. responds to what you're doing in a way that reading a book or filling in a worksheet will never do. Um, makes it more memorable. Helps it stick. Mm. Yeah. So it's there's a lot of scope out there for well engagement it. you know engagement psychologically in terms of motivation is just so so huge that mm. i think you know i do think it's about recognizing that actually if if it's something like 91 percent of young people play video games if that's what they're doing that's what's engaging why wouldn't you use that to engage mm. in educational content and and i do understand that there are concerns, you know, and I know we've spoken about actually, you know, addiction to games is a mm. thing. Gambling mm -hmm. and some of the game mechanics that are used is a thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, I, th I think as, as it's important, as you're saying, is actually it's about having balanced discussions about it mm -hmm. rather than dismissing gaming entire, in its entirety because it's of a negative press. Yes, and it's got to the stage now where my boys will, will, um, they will reject any game that they feel is pay to win. Okay. Um, they're just not interested in that at mm. all. And, um, and if they don't like a mechanism in the game, they're quite vocal about it. Mm. And quite dismissive about it. Um, and so they, they, know a, they know a gamble when they see one. Yeah. And, but you, you see them in in other things in life as well and you have to kind of go through it again it's that the context of that mm. is you know so 
there's things like blind when you buy blind packets of cards and I know they make it oh it's a trading card and you're supposed to trade them all with people and, and things like that and the same with those any any little figures that you buy I remember what they call go go crazy bones and these sorts of things and you buy them buy them all blind yeah they infuriate me because you when you're dealing with kids you know they hate it when they get a double I want another one of them. What they actually want is that one over there. And you think, I can't believe. sibling has got the one they want. (laughs) And that is so stressful. But it's it's a form of gambling when you buy those things. And it's introduced to children at a very early age as something that's acceptable. Yeah. And a mechanism that is okay. And you've, you've kind of got to educate them. Look, this is what this is doing. And, you know you want those things but here's the risk and mm. it's they're, they're horrible I hate them I hate blind packets and things and loot boxes and these things sort of things and was it was it you educating your sons about that or did they come to that awareness on their own and now reject it I think um they talk about it mm. so they ask about it and that's that's the, that's the where you want to get to you want to get to it where they say i can buy this thing but it does this and it does it in the game and um so what is it worth doing and then you sit down and you go oh so here is a look at this and this is what the odds are and blah, blah blah and this is a form of gambling you know and you may pay your money and not get what you want <laughs> and can you live with that <laughs> Mm-hmm. and so it is talking through those things and keeping and you keep an eye on it just but yeah you right the way down to when they were you know it could be under 10 buying a a little blind packet model in a shop and it's the same discussion yeah that's is it worth buying another one of those you've had three of those and what are actually the odds of you and what the only one you really want is that one and what statistically is the chance of that happening you know it's an opportunity for a bit of probability maths with them and <laughs> take it from there you know um it's not treating them as adults people think oh it's too old and you you know it's not treating them as adults it's as they come across the thing in their life it's doing your best to make sure that they understand it mm. that the decisions that they make are fact-based rather than just emotionally driven by I want that or yeah I'm hoping for that so yeah it's sort of balancing out the reward reward mechanisms mm. in our brain this reward you see gaming is great gaming gaming is great for introducing risk risk reward decisions mm. <laughs> well, and, and it's that thing isn't it is having having someone around to facilitate those conversations so mm. so young people can increasingly make informed choices rather than just be a slave to the mm. the gaming mechanisms yes yeah and that and you know and, and i think what you're saying is and that means we need to involve ourselves so we understand what this world is mm. um, and, it, and, and it's interesting but games generally every now and again you'll get a groundbreaking one that has some new mechanism you've not seen before in it mm. But most of them are some combination of some basic mechanism from Mm. dice rolls to cards to um, 
area control to um, resource management to you know it's they're all they're all based around these features and you begin to recognize them so as you start a new board game you think okay so that's a bit like that bit's a bit like settlers and that's bits a bit like that and then there's a bit of this bit over here and and um and that's the same that's just life that's yeah. what we do with life we go through life going right this is a bit like that thing i did over there but a bit different so i can apply what i learned there and then worry about this bit that's new <laughs> yeah. and it's the same it's just facing that new analytical challenge effectively with each game which actually sounds really exciting mm. <laughs> it mm. sounds like a really exciting way of looking at it and you know you talked about schools being very against games why, why do you think is that is that is that game specifically is it screen time more generally is it technology more generally um, a lot of them seem to have a downer on phones as well. And I can understand, you know, in a traditional classroom, you want everyone attentive and this and that. Phones away whilst you're in class. Absolutely. But there does seem to be this phobia of everybody using their phones outside of classrooms. And um, yeah. Yes, it would be, wouldn't it be lovely if it was back in the old days and everyone went around and kicked a ball outside? Uh. And you do try to, you still, you've got to still try and encourage your kids to be healthy and be active. But, um, and maybe when you're out on that walk with them or they're doing something physically active with them, they're still talking about gaming, but that's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really noticed that. Um, yeah, it's like whatever happens in the game in the morning is still being discussed and, and, and there's mm. a part of me that goes no look at the trees but mm. uh, I think back to yeah when I was a child and I would get talk mm. about things that weren't happening at that particular moment in time so mm. yeah well and I think it's interesting that you know a, a lot of adults spend most of their time on screens of some description with yes, work we do yeah but we we and we seem less we take that less seriously i think than than we mm. do screen time for for young people um mm. which i think is interesting mm. all so, about content i think with anything whether you're watching tv or you're on the screen or whatever there, there are two ways of looking at it there is the relaxation time you know when i'm kicking back on watching strictly or like you said binge watching i'm not advocating that, binge watching no, we, we all do that and it's a form of relaxation and whatever but there's also you know we all love watching blue planet and we all love watching horrible histories and and there's content there is good content in these things and it's the same with games there is there are learning opportunities in them and um and it, they keep your brain active very active so well and, and and i think really strongly coming through our conversation is is the sense that actually it presents opportunities for conversation mm. and those conversations and interactions lead elsewhere and present more learning opportunities or just the opportunity to connect mm. uh, as a family um rather than you know being in conflict as you said dismissing it or being like turn get off that come downstairs you know it's like actually how can this become a shared activity mm. so what do you think is 
would be helpful for the future of games and young people? What needs to happen? What needs to happen, I think, is that, um, oh, it needs to become more mainstream, if you see what's, it, mm. it needs to be not just youth, and it's not, there are loads of people in, in the sort of 30s, 40s, now 50s, who have grown up with gaming. Mm. I think it's actually beginning to recognise the positive things you can do with games, yeah. rather than just viewing it as uh, sort of the equivalent of just watching a bit of telly. Mm. You know, um, it's there's so much more to gaming than that. Mm. And um, actually start taking your gaming seriously. Yeah. <laughs> your own and your kids. Yes, <laughs> mine <laughs> definitely needs to be taken more seriously. <laughs> so if you had any piece of advice for parents, either parents who are concerned about their kids gaming or their children want to take it more seriously, what would be your advice? Try the game. Try it yourself. It's the only way. I mean, we all know how hard it is to run, how hard it is to swim at, at a really good level. Um, but an awful lot of people have no idea what it takes to become um, a world-class Dota 2 player or a, a world-class CSGO player or a, a world-class Fortnite player. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it requires all the things that you would expect in a serious job, mm. really. And, 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 and it's another aspect of it, because in some ways your children are starting to try and do a job at quite, quite a young age. Normally you don't worry about it, do you, until a bit older. But they are taking their progress and their, their ability very seriously on this. Um, and so it's being able to understand that and recognise it, realise what they're trying to achieve, mm. um, and recognising their ability. It's a skill you know it's an ability um so yeah just take take that gaming seriously mm. and and be interested in it and if you can have a go have a go why why on earth wouldn't you if it's it's clear they spend so much time doing it it's clearly fun it might not be easy to start with but it's clearly fun and engaging why not give it a go well, and I think that's a really interesting point about actually what possibly you're talking about is, is a young person trying to, to navigate, you know, as you say, doing a job or, and, and that is fraught with, um, with emotional roller coaster territory. Mm. And, and I guess therefore it's, you know. But even if your child is not looking to be a professional gamer, mm. this is, you know, if, if they were, if it was any other hobby, you would take more interest in it, mm. you know, and you would respect it if they, if they wanted to learn archery or if they wanted to do jujitsu or the, you wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. Mm. And it's, it's a hobby just like any other and it has positives to it mm. and it's engaging with them to make sure that just as you would 
you know, are they, are they, have I got a good jujitsu coach for them? Am I comfortable? Have they got the right kit? Are they doing it appropriately? They're not going to hurt themselves. They're, you know, they're in an environment that I, like, I understand mm. and I'm able to support them. And I'm, it's, it's getting to that stage with it and understanding it just as you would do any pastime or hobby that they would have rather than as we tend to just leaving them to it. Yeah. Well, and I really like that idea of, you know, how can I support them to do it safely? Mm. Um, both in the setup and the screen and breaks as well as, you know, the, the environment mm. online and, and how can I support them to continue to enjoy it? I just think that's really important. Mm. And there are some fantastic board games out there as well you know, way beyond the original sort of Monopoly and Cluedo type thing. There's some fantastically interesting ones that, um, that in some ways they all have this, they all have the same sort of, um, mechanisms to them as gaming. You, mm. And you, you can, depending on the games you're into, you, you might well enjoy some of these board games. And it's a way as um, my advice to the, kids would be find a game that you can get your parents playing and you know maybe start with a board game and then drag them in yeah. drag them in slowly and take pleasure <laughs> in the fact you'll always be better yeah. than them at it <laughs> and collaborative game any collaborative game is perfect for that because you can just say look it's a collaborative one so um all you need to do is talk to me and i'll tell you what to do and blah 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 and it's one of the ways I use for sucking people into my board gaming world because they start off going, oh, I don't like board games. And you go, well, you, you just be this character and you just need to, you know, tell me what you're going to do. And they start off going, uh, and then before you know it, they're going, but if we did this and you did that, and everything, you go, hmm, don't want to play this thing. <laughs> and you suck them in through collaboration. <laughs> Team and collaboration stuff, definitely. Fantastic. Oh, it's been so nice talking with you, Margaret. Is there anything else you would like to say that you feel we haven't talked about? Um, no, I can't think of anything, to be honest. No. Oh, it's just been ranged all over everything. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, it's such a pleasure talking with you and just so fantastic to hear that, hear a parent who is so wonderfully embraced kind of getting into games in order to support support your children it's just lovely thank you it's oh, been a pleasure talking to you sue i'm in really interested to see some of your games as well so oh, thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to find out more about our products and how to get involved in this podcast please visit playwellforlife.com